1: Okay, now joining me is Melissa Fitzgerald. As you know, Melissa is an actress and has been in movies like The Truman Show and Monument Avenue. Plus, her role as Carol Fitzpatrick in the TV series The West Wing. You've probably also seen her in Grey's Anatomy and Chasing the Hill, among many others. More recently, she's been helping save and improve the lives of our military veterans through treatment courts and the All Rise organization. And I couldn't be more privileged or more honored that I get to have her with me today here on Next on the T. Hey, Melissa, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Chris,
2: thanks for having me.
1: So, Melissa, I want to start with you by going back to the beginning. I know you were born and raised in the state of Pennsylvania. The show is available Mm -hmm. over on the other side of the state on the Pittsburgh Tribune review site. Your father, James Fitzgerald, is a Pennsylvania judge. Your mother is involved in politics and does volunteer work there in the Philadelphia area. You went to the University of Pennsylvania. Talk about being a Pennsylvania girl.
2: I'm very proud Pennsylvanian, and I am a proud Philly girl. As you mentioned, uh, my my dad was on, he was a judge and worked in the DA's office and then was a judge uh, almost all of my life. He retired a couple of years ago, but he loved it, and he was on the state Supreme Court of Pennsylvania. My mom worked at the University of Pennsylvania, Drexel University. She has been the executive director of the Pennsylvania Society. She also ran political fest um, at the Republican National Convention years ago. Um, so I am, you know, Philly, Pennsylvania, both sides. Both my parents went to University of Pennsylvania. I went there. I was born at the University of Pennsylvania Hospital. So I am uh, through and through a Philly girl. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm proud to be from Pennsylvania. I mean, I, you know, we, I think. Well, I'll be more specific about Philly people, too, is that we really we love our own and uh, we have, uh, I think, a lot of passion, including for our sports teams and, uh, and and a lot of grit. So I'm very, uh, very proud to be from Pennsylvania.
1: And Melissa, you received the Chestnut Hill College Medal and you were at their commencement, their commencement speaker in 2008. <laughs> yeah. And for those who aren't aware, Chestnut Hill is a private college there in the Philadelphia area. For you, what was it like being up on that podium, getting the opportunity to inspire the next generation of graduates?
2: Well, it was first of all an incredible honor, and uh, and uh, and my family has a history with Chestnut Hill College, which is a wonderful resource for for young people. That 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 college, and my grandfather and my mother were were both on the board of Chestnut Hill College and really believe in it and mission. And what was so inspiring to me were the young people that I, I I got to to know and to meet through doing that. And also the the educators at Chestnut Hill College were all very inspiring to me and, and really passionate about um, sort of one of my missions is using art for social change. And um, I was welcomed in there and 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 did a, a small sort of artist in residence type uh type event there for them prior to to the medal and i was just incredibly honored and inspired i i hope that i inspired them i i don't know but uh but they certainly inspired me and i think the young people in our country are are, are one of our greatest resources and uh their passion and excitement and energy is
1: uh, really motivating. Melissa, as you and I were communicating over the last six or eight months uh, and getting mm-hmm. acquainted and uh, I was telling you about what a huge West Wing fan I am. My wife and I have watched the whole series from start to finish, I don't know, five or six times and we're in the process of starting over and doing it again. Oh, that so,
2: makes me very happy.
1: <laughs> we We do that so much that you guys, the characters in the show have become like a group of friends that we get to watch each night. And when we finish the series and start to think about, well, what else might we watch? I'd I'd be thinking to myself, you know, what will our friends do without us if we're not here every night with them? But talk See? about, yeah, <laughs> talk about the the extreme loyalty that West Wing fans have with you guys.
2: Well, I couldn't be more grateful for the loyalty that West Wing fans have for us, and and certainly the support that the West Wing fans have given to the work that I do now, the work that I did in Uganda, the work I do for all Rise with treatment courts. Um they are uh, you know passionate, energized, motivated and they take action. Um and I I couldn't be more grateful for the support that the fans have given and you know that's one of the fans are really one of the reasons that Mary McCormick who played Kate Harper on the West Wing and I uh, were inspired to write a book that we've been working on. So uh, a West Wing book that we've been working on. And um, I don't know, it's just so exciting. You know, Josh Molina and Rishi Hirway started the West Wing Weekly podcast a couple of years ago and seeing how the fans were still so um, passionate about the show was really wonderful and exciting. Uh, I remember Allison and I went to do a live onstage uh, uh, Western Weekly podcast in San Francisco and the audience, I wasn't, wasn't expecting that. And it was very exciting to get that really positive uh, feedback and see a full, full theater. Um, and also when I talked about the work that I'm doing now on one of the early podcast episodes, it, the support that we received for our work was extraordinary.
1: So let's take all of that a little bit further. A reunion is something that everyone on the planet has been hoping for for the last 17 plus years. Josh Molina, as you mentioned, he and Rishi did the West Wing Weekly podcast, which was fantastic. But we wingnuts are really hoping for a reboot of the show. Aaron Sorkin, in some of the reunions that you guys have had, have mentioned the possibility of a reboot. Why do you think it hasn't happened?
2: Um, Gosh, I think you would. I, I have no idea. Um... <laughs> I, mean, I I mean I can I can only guess why it hasn't happened and uh but I but I really I don't know. I think that's something that um you'd have to ask Aaron. But I, what I will say is I think we're all getting a little old to be working at the White House. <laughs> um, I mean, some could be in advisor positions, but uh I am I'm I'm certainly too old to be Carol.
1: <laughs> Sadly.
2: Um but you know, it was really fun to Revisit, uh, uh, gosh, almost almost four years ago now. When we filmed three and a half years ago, when we filmed uh, an episode uh, in support of "When We All Vote," Um, we did Hartsfield Landing, that episode of The West Wing, and it was interesting to see what was different about it now that we're all you know uh, well over a decade after that show was first. you know, first when we first did it. So it was interesting to see what people brought to it that was different. Um, and and it was, you know, there was a depth to some of the scenes that was just different, not better, not worse, um, but, but interesting to watch.
1: You mentioned the book, you and Mary McCormick announced last week that you guys have written a book about your experiences on the show. Can't wait to get a copy in my hands. I know it's gonna come out a little bit later this summer. Talk about the book.
2: I would love to. It's called What's Next, which, of course, anyone who's watched the West Wing knows that the president would often say what's next when he's ready to move on to the next thing. Um, But the book is called What's Next, a backstage pass to the West Wing, its cast and crew and its enduring legacy of service. And as I mentioned, you know, the fans have really inspired us by their support of the issues and causes that we all care about. And, uh, you know, I, I. it was, the book is really more about everybody's experience because we interviewed, we did over a hundred interviews for this book. And we interviewed, of course, the cast, the creators of the show, Aaron Sorkin, of course, um, and uh, who was generous and kind enough to write the forward to the book. And Allison Janney was kind enough to write the intro for the book. Um, But this is really, Mary and I, certainly talk about our experience, but but we really gathered through our interviews, what other people experienced on the show, the cast, the crew, um, and, and some people who were inspired to go into lives of service because of the West Wing. Um, So it was a, it was really fantastic to revisit and to connect with people again, even though most of it was over zoom, because most of the interviews we did were during COVID. Um, But that was that was wonderful. And to hear the love that people had have for that time, it was a magical time, I think for, for, you know, almost all of us um, was just, it was, it, it, it connected us in a way that I don't think we would have felt connected during COVID. So, so that part of it was a real gift. The writing part was very challenging. <laughs> <laughs> so? so. Know, oh my gosh. And and also, you know, both of us have full time jobs. Mary has a family. So uh, it was definitely at night and weekends and (laughs) it was challenging. But um, but we're very excited and and we're proud of of what we we compiled and that everybody, you know, so many people were so generous with their time and sharing their experiences with us. And that's all in the book. Martin, Allison, you know, Richard, Brad, Doulet, Janelle, of course, Mary and uh and, and me, but, but so many others, so many other cast members, members of the crew. It's just really, really wonderful how generous everyone was, uh, to give us time and, and share their experiences.
1: Speaking of giving their lives to the service of others, following the show, you took what happened in the Excelsius Deo episode, the one where Toby gets involved in the fate of a Korean War veteran to heart. And you went to work for the U.S. government. You got hired to be the director of Justice for Vets, which is a division of a nonprofit organization focused specifically on veterans treatment courts, an alternative to incarceration for our veterans in the justice system due to whether it's substance abuse or mental health disorders. So talk about how all of that came about for you.
2: I love that episode so much, such a beautiful episode, and and Richard is just... Magnificent in that episode, as are the other actors who are in that in that episode. Just beautiful performances.
1: So you went from there to going to work for the U.S. government. You're hired to be the director of Justice for Vets, a division of a nonprofit organization focused specifically on veterans treatment courts, an alternative to incarceration for veterans and the justice system due to whether it's substance abuse or mental health disorders. Talk about how all of that came together for you
2: sure well um i had done some work in northern uganda and worked with former abducted child soldiers and other uh, young people who uh, were displaced by their brutal rebel war there and made a documentary called after coney staging hope about a theater program that we brought to northern uganda we worked with teens there and that really opened my eyes to the impacts of war on individuals and communities. And uh, when I came back, worked with a wonderful filmmaker to help, you know, uh, complete the documentary. And then he had an idea for and was working on another documentary that I uh, worked with him on called Halfway Home, that uh, follows several uh, veterans who were, you know, self-medicating after experiencing the trauma of war. And that really further opened my eyes to the impacts of, of war on, on some individuals. And um, at the exact same time, I lost a dear friend to addiction. And Martin Sheen invited me to join him to speak at a conference uh, in support of treatment courts, a national training conference. And I fell in love with the work that they did. They had just launched their veterans division They did treatment courts for everyone, all modalities of treatment courts, but they had just launched their veterans division, Justice for Vets, which was specifically dedicated to veterans treatment courts. And um, I just became a supporter from Los Angeles. And then uh, one day, the then CEO of that organization uh, said, you know, said, I'm looking for, we are looking for a, a senior director of Justice for Vets. If you know anybody, and I said, gosh, if I were a veteran, I'd throw my hat. in." The way. And a couple of days later, he called back and said, were you serious? And I said, yeah. And I don't know what possessed me to say that, to be honest, because I wasn't um, planning on necessarily leaving Los Angeles. <laughs> but uh, he said, well, when can you start? And I said, well, how about January? And this was October. And he said, hey, how about Monday? So I started Monday. <laughs> and that was over 10 years ago, which I can't believe. Um, And that organization is now, went through a rebrand and uh, Justice for Vets is still a division of the larger organization, but the larger organization is called All Rise. And All Rise is the organization that champions treatment courts, including veterans treatment courts, drug courts, adult drug courts, juvenile drug courts, family treatment courts. And, uh, you know, impaired driving courts, so many of the modalities of treatment instead of incarceration for individuals who've been arrested with substance use, mental health disorders. And treatment courts, you know, they really are unique because they bring together a team of justice and treatment professionals who all have the same goal, which is to ensure that individuals receive the treatment and recovery support they need. To live productive lives, and rather than in a traditional courtroom, you know they all work together to support this individual, and the individual is part of that process too. Um, you know the team works with them to identify the right treatment and other needs, other supports that they may need, like housing, employment, family reunification, and it is definitely more efficient, more cost-effective, and more effective overall approach
1: to justice. Melissa, one of the many things I love about how you're going about changing the criminal justice system is how you're making it non-adversarial. Talk about that aspect of it.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I, I encourage anyone who's listening to find out if there's a treatment court in your community and attend a graduation. I think then you really see the magic of a treatment court and you see the hope and the inspiration that exists in these courts. I, as I mentioned, I've been doing this for over 10 years and the absolute best part of my job is when I get to attend a graduation of a treatment court or even just go to a treatment court session because you see in a courtroom, this courtroom, these courtrooms are places of hope and they are places of healing. They are of course places of strict accountability. It's part of the criminal justice system. However, you see people get their lives back because you have prosecution, defense counsel, law enforcement, treatment providers, court staff, all, you know, the team is led by the judge. And they are working together to support individuals who appear before them in the court. And, you know, it it really is something to see a judge when someone has been arrested and appear before them say, thank you for your service. If they happen to be a veteran, thank you for your service to this country. Um, This court is here to support you and offer the help that you need to get your life back. And you see individuals, you know, and certainly so many have said to me, you know, it's the first time because many individuals who appear in treatment courts have been arrested multiple times and um, they are dealing with, you know, addiction issues. And they say it's the first time that in the justice system I have been addressed by my name and not a number. And I felt like this court was there. To support me and cared about me, and that my judge cared about my success, and uh, you see it every day. And um, I think that there are lessons from treatment courts that can be applied across the justice system. And I think that is an exciting, you know, next phase of all this.
1: Melissa, the U.S. is number one in mass incarceration. Do you have a vision for what we can do for people and and for our community? So. That's just no longer the case?
2: Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, certainly that is a an incredibly
1: disheartening
2: uh, statistic. Uh, but the good news is that we are making progress. Um, it doesn't always feel that way and certainly not fast enough. Um, but I, I do think that it is important for us to to all of us to challenge ourselves like, how do we think about justice? What is justice? What does it mean for justice to be served? Certainly, there are instances where incarceration is appropriate, but there are many, many cases where justice is best served by holding people accountable, but also connecting them with the treatment and support they need to change their lives. And treatment courts have demonstrated that this is possible. And they've demonstrated it 1.5 million times they've demonstrated that a combination of accountability, compassion, and treatment can be much more a much more effective approach. And I think there is nothing like seeing somebody get their life back and going to a graduation of a treatment court and seeing the arresting officer standing there clapping for the individual that they had arrested. This is what our justice system can and should be, because what that does is it returns a healthy individual to our community where they can be a parent, they can be a child, they can be a productive community member, they can pay taxes and have a meaningful job. And, 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 a, and a life of which they're proud rather than in and out of incarceration. We need to break those cycles and we can. And I think, you know, treatment courts are a marriage of public health and public safety. And when you look at that approach and how effective it can be for certain individuals, I mean, certainly I couldn't help but, but jump in and, and try to support that in the best way I can. And I think we all should be doing that.
1: You've mentioned the support of your West Wing peers and how they've pitched in to help you raise funds for justice for vets. Talk about getting so many of them to come to support you and helping to create a better approach.
2: Well, first of all, Martin Sheen's the one who introduced me to the work. He's been a champion of treatment courts since the very early days. I think over thirty years now. Um, wow. So yeah, so it was, um, as I mentioned, after after my dear friend, uh, we lost my dear friend to addiction, and you know, it also turned out that my dad had started a treatment court in Philadelphia, a, a mental health court in Philadelphia, many many years ago, back when that was a heavy lift and before. People really saw the evidence that these courts work, um, but uh, you know it hasn't been hard. They, this is the most supportive group of individuals who care about their community, their country. They 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 really um, so generously, consistently lend their support to issues and causes that they believe in, including mine. Uh, but certainly not limited to mine. <laughs> they they have many things that they support. And I I know for a fact that I would not be able to be as effective in the work that I do without their support. They have really, they have lifted up our work and I will forever be grateful to all of them for all that they've done and continue to do.
1: Speaking of Martin Sheen, the two of you did a wonderful rendition of the play Love Letters last year at the Kennedy Center to benefit the treatment courts. What was it like getting to do that play with him?
2: Magical. It really was a magical experience, both personally and as an artist, as an individual, as someone who believes in recovery. Uh, it was magical. I, Martin is he is one of my heroes, for sure. He is a really, there's nobody like him. He's a remarkable man who has really inspired all of us um, and, uh, in so many ways, but certainly around service and certainly around fighting for people and causes that, that are sometimes not always easy to fight for. And um, getting to do this with, with him was a joy and and as I mentioned magical but also as an artist he's so incredible that getting to act with him was so fulfilling and to get to act with him in this play that does deal with the themes of addiction and um and mental health uh was was really special and um you know I, I think I I didn't realize how much I missed acting not not necessarily i don't mean the business of acting and I don't mean that but i I mean really getting to to work on a play that has such deep meaning is so layered in the character and then to be able to do that with one of the greatest actors of our time who I also happen to love and respect was was truly magical I'll never forget it it was one of the best experiences I've ever had
1: Delay Hill recently competed on Celebrity Jeopardy with all the proceeds that he won going to All Rise. And not only did he compete on the show, he won. What was it like for you watching him on the show and also knowing that the money he was winning was going to help All Rise?
2: Oh, amazing. I remember when he told me we had all gone to, I was in Los Angeles and it was, uh, we had all gone to see Brad in a play. And we went backstage to say, you know, congratulations to Brad, of course. And Dulet said, Oh, I gotta go because I've gotta go home and get to bed because I'm I'm going on Jeopardy tomorrow. And I said, What? You're, what are you even doing here? I'd be <laughs> cramming. And he said, I know, I know, I've been cramming. And uh and he said, uh, it was so sweet how he told me. He said, Yeah, and I said, Oh gosh, I would be terrified to go on that show. And he said, Oh yeah, I am, but he said, when they told me that I would, you know, even if I don't get any questions right, the charity of my choice will will will, will get money. He said, I thought, well, Melissa's charity could really use the money. And uh, it was, uh, what a way to tell me, He's so humble and, and so generous and kind. And then he went on and spoke about our work and, and um, it was thrilling. And I happened to be home in Philadelphia with my parents. And that is something that we always like to do together, which is watch Jeopardy. So it made it extra magical that we got to watch it uh, <laughs> together and watch Dulé, uh, you know, compete for All Rise. And I I really uh, so appreciated when he said, you know, when one rises, we all rise, because that's that's what we believe in treatment courts. When one person rises out of the justice system and finds recovery, we all rise. And uh, that was beyond thrilling to see Dulé, who has been incredibly supportive of our work and has gone to graduation of a treatment court and has written about it in op-ed to then also go on national television, talk about our work, and compete for us. That's very special.
1: That's awesome.
2: He's the you, best. Guys,
1: <laughs> you guys have also done a lot to get people to go out and register to vote. You guys did an episode on the show about that. The state of Wisconsin has had a relationship with you and your peers regarding the importance of elections and to get out there and vote. We're now Obviously, in an election year, are we going to get to see you guys out there doing a little bit more, doing some more events around that?
2: Um, well, if if history uh, shows us anything, then I'm sure every, they will all be out there getting, you know, inspiring people to vote. Um, our vote is our voice. Uh, and and one of the things that I really in the work that I do and my role at All Rise, one of the things that I love about our work is that it is nonpartisan and that we enjoy support from both sides of the aisle. And uh, that is particularly rewarding to get to work on an issue that, that does that. And I've certainly had uh, just really wonderful experiences working with people on both sides of the aisle to support treatment courts. And we're very grateful for that support.
1: Melissa, just a couple more before I let you go. As we look out into the rest of 2024, what's on your calendar?
2: Let's see, Um, (laughs) many things are on my calendar for 2024, um, but sort of the the big work things that are on my calendar, uh, which are also my passions. um, We have uh, All Rise holds the largest conference in the world on the front lines of addiction, mental health, and the justice system. It is a training conference where we have four days, hundreds of hours of training sessions, for treatment court professionals from all over the country. In fact, all over the world, but mostly from the United States. So we have treatment professionals, people who work in the courts. So as I would mentioned before, judges and court staff and law enforcement and treatment providers all come together. Over 7,000 of them will be there uh, for our conference. And uh, the West Wing cast always shows up and is incredibly supportive. And this year, Martin and I will be performing love letters at the conference and uh, we're very excited about many of the other things um, around the conference um, so i'll be working very hard for the next uh, few months it's at the end of may uh on on the all rise conference which is called rise 24 and then august 13th uh mary uh our book comes out mary's and my book comes out what's next and we're very excited about that so we'll be doing a lot of events around the publication date of the book and It is a West Wing book, but it's also a service book. So one of the most important things to Marianne, to me, is that we raise awareness and that we raise money for some of the the nonprofit organizations that are highlighted in the book. So we'll be doing that too.
1: Is RISE24, is that conference going to be there in D.C.?
2: No, it will be in Anaheim. It's a conference that travels to different parts of the country every year. So this year will be in Anaheim, California.
1: Melissa, you've made such a positive impact on the lives of so many people. You've given us joy through your acting. You've given us hope where many people didn't think they had any. You've helped give life-saving treatments to our vets and helped them keep their liberty when in times before, it probably would have been taken from them. And your rare quiet moments that's got to do a lot for you. I mean, it's got to warm your heart knowing that you've been able to have such a positive impact on the lives of so many people.
2: Well, that is an incredibly generous um, thing to say. Um, (laughs) I think I um, I think I am very grateful. I think that is really what I feel is a lot of gratitude to be able to be a small part of the work that is being done for treatment courts, the work that was being done in Uganda, you know, different issues and causes that I have uh, cared about over the years. I'm very grateful. Um, And I think the moments where I feel the most gratitude is when I get to meet people who have gotten their lives back through a treatment court program. And, and that just inspires me. And I am not saying that this is a good thing, but I tend to look at what's next and what, what needs to be done next. That is really where my, uh, my head and my heart go in my quiet moments, like what there is so much more to do. And the older I get, the more I realize how limited our time is here. And there is so much more work to be done. Um, so that is sort of where my head and my heart go in those quiet moments.
1: So, Melissa, before I let you go, how can our listeners find out more information about All Rise and then stay up to date with you, whether they're doing it online or they're doing it on social media?
2: Well, certainly go to allrise.org and you can sign up for our email blast and you can uh, find out what's the latest and greatest happening in treatment courts. You can also follow us um, at all rise. uh, I think it's at underscore all rise underscore on X and, uh, and Facebook. And then certainly follow me on Instagram and on, on Facebook and on X, which is at Naffy Fitz M A F F Y F I T Z. Um, and, uh, and please do that. It would be great to have the support. And then you can, you can keep, keep up to date on what's going on in treatment courts and at All Rise.
1: Melissa, well, it's been such a privilege to get to spend this time with you. I can't thank you enough to, for taking a few moments out of your very busy schedule to come and do this. I hope we get that privilege again sometime later this year or in the future because you're fantastic. Absolutely.
2: Well, you are are so wonderful and the support that you've given to me on social media the, that you lift up other people as well is, is a really wonderful quality you have and I'm grateful for you too.
1: <laughs> thank you very much for that. Melissa, take well, care my friend. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon.
2: Thank you. To you too, Chris. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. That is the wonderful and talented Melissa Fitzgerald. They just don't come any better than her, my friends. What a wonderful individual, doing great things now in our government for our military veterans. And on top of that, she's out there raising funds, raising awareness, helping us get out to vote, doing other things with her peers. It's just a wonderful family kind of atmosphere that that cast has. And they've translated that into supporting one another and what they have gone on to do since being a part of that show. And so many of them, like we heard during the course of the conversation, And if you do a little research, have come back to support Melissa and Justice for Vets and All Rise. Be sure to give them a follow online at allrise.org and sign up for those email blasts at underscore allrise underscore out on Instagram and at Maffie Fitz. You can follow her on X as well. So my thanks to her. Hopefully we get the opportunity to catch up with her a little bit later on this summer when the book comes out. Again, it's What's Next with her and Mary McCormick, so I'd love to have both of them come on the show and talk about that book and putting it together and all of that sort of thing. So I will stay on top of that as we get through spring and the early part of summer. Look forward to catching up with her again soon. Again, just a wonderful, wonderful individual. All right, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this very special segment of the show, again featuring Melissa Fitzgerald. We've got a wonderful lineup coming up for you through the rest of February and into March. Already booked out that far. So many wonderful guests, great instructors, great tour legends and players coming your way. I hope you'll stay a part of this show. Join us every single week. I can't thank you enough. As I always say, you guys are the very best supporters in the history of podcasting. Until next time, hit them straight, my friends.
3: 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best.
2: Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.